Welcome back, Purple Ace Podcast. This is episode 17. Uh, wow, episode 17. Um, I feel like we need some intro music. Uh, it, I, that's just a, a thought that I had right then, but I was thinking about that on the way home today. Uh, before I start um, rambling on, <laughs> I'll introduce myself. I'm Josh Bass, uh, along with my brother and co-host Jake, as always. Jake, how's it going in... Uh, what do you think? What do you think about the prospect of that? This is on the fly. I don't know why that came into my head, but about uh, maybe having a little intro, whether it be music or some clips, uh, audio clips put together or something like that. That's probably something you would do because I would never <laughs> do it. So I'm, yeah, <laughs> more of me um, putting a task on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely into. I've thought about that um, in the past too. But yeah, I'll I'll for sure look into that. Um, we, you know, we've been around long enough. I feel like we can get something like that added in. Um, but to answer your question, I'm doing well. Um, weather's warming up. You won their first road series for baseball of the year. We'll get into that and everything that that, that entails. But, I mean, can't complain on my end. Yeah, man. Uh, weather's warming up. Things are uh, things are looking better, at least, uh, for ECU baseball. We got some big offseason news for the other sports as well. Um, today we got a little bit of everything for you. Um Got some basketball news, football news, um, and yes, I said it, football news. It's already getting to be that time of year again. Um, and uh, even some news that Jake will drop here for us in a second. Real quick before that, I just wanted to, as always, plug our social media. Uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram, it's at Purple Ace Podcast, and on Twitter at Purple Ace Pod. Uh, would love for uh, uh, to get a follow and interact with you guys there. Um, that would be great. And Jake um, – what uh, it, this is this is bigger for you. Uh, I'm a fan, obviously, but this is bigger for you than it is for me, just because you're a bigger fan of the sport itself. Um, had some big news for an ECU alumni this week. Yeah, man, Harold Barner um is the first ECU um alumni, I guess, to uh, qualify for the Masters. So Harold Barner is going to be playing in the Masters, um, starting tomorrow. He's been playing really hot lately, um. You know, he won the Saudi International uh, in February, and then he got six in the players against some really stiff competition. So it's a perfect time for him to be coming into the biggest tournament of the year. And, um, you know, even even if he doesn't end up doing well, I mean, this, I believe, this is his first time playing at the Masters. Uh, just qualifying for the Masters in general is just so awesome. I mean, that's, you know, for, for those of you who don't really watch too much golf, the Masters is just it's just so special. Um, so just being there is just awesome for him. And uh, it, se- it seems like uh, things are finally really starting to come together for Harold. He's ranked 39th um, in the world, which is, which is really great. And uh, you know, it, it's just a great time for Harold Barner right now. And I'm really excited, uh, you know, to see how he does on the big stage. Yeah. Stoked for him there. Uh, super lovable guy too. Uh, just from following, following him online, uh, the way he interacts with the alumni in the school. He's just an awesome dude. How can you not love him? Um, so stoked about that. Just to finish up my housekeeping notes um, from earlier, uh, Jake and I, I, you know, you, you guys who listen to us um, regularly, thank you, by the way. But uh, Jake and I are probably going to start ramping back up with every week uploads here, uh, especially with football news coming back. Um, we, we have been doing every other week just because, uh, you know, we like recording, you know, kind of, um, you know, lengthier podcasts for sports podcasts anyways, about 45 minutes to an hour or so, sometimes even more. 
uh, just like to go over a lot and um, really get into the topics we're talking about. So uh, being that it was only baseball season, we like to, you know, get a good chunk of games and not just be um, coming in and, and speaking on a small sample size every week. Um, but now that we're starting to get other news from, you know, and the, the football teams back together and, um, you know, doing spring workouts and stuff like that and baseballs in the conference play, we figure we'll be um, we'll be able to have enough content to be getting it back to a, a weekly uploads for you guys. So just to throw that out there. Um, another thing before we jump into our first topic of the day, I just want to say we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Um, the ECU game is actually in the top of the first inning against Old Dominion. Me and Jake do have that pulled up. Uh, so you will get some live reactions from us uh, during the game. Game got rescheduled, um, as you guys know, probably for the better for both teams. Um, so they're playing Wednesday instead of Tuesday. We didn't want to push back uh, recording another day. We like to, you know, get it out as early, you know, or as close to midweek as we can. So anyways, just in case you hear us react, and we'll let you know if you hear a, a scream or a yes or a sigh from us what we're sighing about. Um, but anyways, with that being said, we'll jump into our first topic, Jake, and it's not baseball. We'll say baseball for the end. Uh, we're going to talk about the transfer uh, portal and uh, what it has meant to ECU lately, specifically in the past couple of weeks, um, both in football and basketball. We'll start with football and good news. Uh, over the weekend, uh, I believe it was on Sunday, Isaiah Winstead, a big wide receiver uh, out of Toledo, uh, announced that he was transferring to ECU. This is a huge get for the program. Um, somebody that me and Jake have been following and, and wanting, and you've seen some of the players recruiting, like Justin Red, our boy, um, on on social media. Um, I, I I was stoked about this. He his, his final three, oddly enough, were East Carolina, Old Dominion, who we're playing in baseball right now, and uh, Virginia Tech, uh, who we do not like. Um, no. <laughs> and you know, I think everybody kind of acknowledged that it was between us and Virginia Tech. Uh, he made the smart choice. And he chose ECU, so we are stoked to welcome Isaiah Winstead um, to ECU, man. This kid is a 6'3", 215-pound receiver. Um, His numbers over the past two years at Toledo, six games played in 2020, 71 yards per game and three touchdowns. Uh, You know, in the COVID year, obviously a really good season, uh, considering he played half the year, would have gone over 1,000 yards receiving. Um, had it been a full a full season. And then this past year, numbers-wise, took a step back. He played all 13 games, uh, caught, you know, for 40 yards a game, only had a touchdown. Um, but the theme with him when you look into him is – and he transferred to Toledo. I think it was out of uh, – uh, I want to – do you know what school he was at before? I think it was either – Yeah, it was, it, was in, it was in Norfolk State before. Okay. All right, so out of Norfolk State, then to Toledo. Um as Ben Newton hopes yeah, was a runner say, Newton second, just, which has been a problem for us all year. Freaking, yeah, that guy's trying to get an appeal, but there's no way. He's, Prob- he's, he's a problem toast. for ECU all year. This is what we were talking about, where you're going to get some spontaneous – ooh, and it was close. Yeah, that I don't, think, I don't think you overturned starter. that. But. I don't think so either. And they haven't really been all year, but yeah. we'll see. But either way, that's been a serious bugaboo for the ECU defense, we've been – anybody who follows us on Twitter knows that, that we have just been a nightmare behind the plate throwing guys out stealing. I don't know why teams don't try us more often, but that would be huge in the first inning to um, have the third out be gunned from Ben Newton. Anyways, 
back to Isaiah Winstead. Um, you know, I know the numbers took a step back uh, this past year, but all over his four years in college, he's been productive and consistent, um, sitting right around 500 yards a season. And I think that he really could be the type of guy with his size and athleticism, like I said, 6'3", 215. Um, and he's been vocal about wanting this opportunity to come into a program like ECU with an established quarterback, um, you know, to win that starting job and to really get his share of targets to show what he can do. Because I think it was just mostly a lack of uh, opportunity to be that, you know, number one. Expl- I just don't think he was playing in the offense for that over his past four years. Now he's got a chance. But the biggest thing that I've thought about, and Jake, I'll let you um, relieve me here and give me your thoughts on Winstead. The biggest thing that I love about this is that Houston is bringing in, in, in what is our most unsure position group, bringing in a veteran leader to come join this team that wants to succeed and wants to get a shot at the next level. And I think that it just cannot, it, you know, best case scenario, you get a wide receiver one that produces at a really high level. Worst case scenario, you have a really good depth piece, really good size, um, and, and a veteran leader. So... Um, as they confirmed the out call, by the way. So shout out to Ben Newton for throwing that um, yeah. runner out in the first inning. But Jake, what's your thoughts on Winstead? Yeah, man, I love I love Isaiah Winstead. I ever since we started um, recruiting him, I've been researching him, and I've I've really liked him. Really been a fan. Um, his numbers were still good last year, like you said, um, a little bit down from the year before. But I believe he was playing with a, di- a new quarterback last year. Um, than the one he had the year before. And, and then moving to ECU, um, he's coming into a proven system, great offense with a, a quarterback who knows the offense. I mean, he's been here for five years. I think this is the best situation that Isaiah Winstead, um, you know, has ever been in. I think he, he believes that too. Um, but, yeah, like you said, um, I really like that Isaiah Winstead has goals ball beyond college, and he believes in himself, and he really believes he can be – a number one wide receiver because, um, you know, I believe it too. And I think that's going to make him really, or he's going to come in really hungry. Um, I feel like that's kind of the mentality that everyone has at ECU kind of has a chip on their shoulder. Um, similarly to the other wide receiver transfer that we got um, this offseason, Jalen Johnson from Georgia, who wants to come in and prove that he's good enough um, to play football beyond college. So I, I really love um, what Mike Houston in this um in this ECU coaching staff is brought in, um, which was a glaring position of need. And I think they've uh, tackled it perfectly, but yeah, um, going back to Winstead, man, I mean, he's, he's just, he can do it all. He's really good um, as a deep threat, which is something that we need. He can really go up um, and get balls. I think um, I was looking at his numbers earlier. He's graded out the last two seasons in the nineties when it comes to like, like as a deep throw, I, I I don't know exactly what it was. I go and tweeted it out, or not tweeted. He VIP thread, but um, regardless, Isaiah Winstead is elite when it comes to going up and getting deep balls, which is something that I think Holden's going to really like this year. Yeah, I mean, we know that Holden likes to. Holden doesn't like to take sacks. <laughs> no. So if you're not going to take sacks and you're going to air it out like he does, you got to have receivers that can get the fifty-fifty ball. So that's big. Um, yeah, I just think it's a great fit, man. And the, and the potential for it to, to get a wide receiver one in the transfer portal like that is just it's awesome. Awesome. Um, leaning over to the negative side of the transfer portal, and this is news that we expected, uh, maybe had hoped it wouldn't happen, but I think we all in the back of our heads knew it was going to happen. Uh, 
Tristan Newton and Brandon Suggs, uh, you know, probably the two best players uh, for our ECU basketball team, entered the transfer portal since the last episode. Um, you know, Jake, we'll get, what's your reaction to that? What was your initial reaction when you saw? Uh, it's probably similar for both guys. So let me know what you were feeling when you first heard that news. Are you surprised? Uh, were you not surprised? I know you're probably bummed like I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely bummed to see them go. Um, but I'm also understanding of why they're leaving. Uh, I had no doubt that Newton was going to enter the portal. I thought there was a chance that Suggs might stay. But if you, you know, if I had to give you a yes or no, I would have said that he was probably going to leave too. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely bummed that we don't get to see him play at, at ECU. Um, but at the same time, obviously we're entering a rebuild and they're trying to, you know, make their case to be, you know, NBA, NBA caliber players. So I don't right. blame them at all for leaving, but it's, it's definitely a sad that we're not going to see them play, um, you know, in the purple and gold anymore. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously Tristan Newton, and we said this before the season, he just even blew away our expectations during the season. Um, he He's one of the better players that has ever really come through the school, in my opinion. I might be short-sighted in that. Um, but since certainly since I've been following ECU basketball over the past decade or so, um, you know, and he's he's a he's a special kid. So yeah, wish him the best and uh, thank him for what he did at ECU. Fully understand it. Look, this happens. Um, this happens in college basketball, um, and we knew. You know, you get a new coach, you're probably gonna have a rebuild. So um, same thing with Suggs. Uh, you know, Brandon Suggs kind of uh, ECU Twitter fell in love with him this year. It seems like uh, I've been tooting the Brandon Suggs horn for a while. I know Jake has too. Um, and it was nice to see him get the love that he did from the fan base this year, uh, you know, with the Sug boat theme um, really catching on. But, um, you know, a, a guy that really was the glue to this team, um, we saw that when he went out, how they, we struggled in really all phases. He's just a, a, another really good player, um, but you understand the decision. Um, and it's just what happens, man. These kids have relationships with the coaches who recruited them and brought them in, and that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, when those guys go – you know, these kids are, uh, like Jake said, <clears throat> excuse me, like Jake said, looking to make their case for uh, continuing their career at the next level. And a rebuild is not exactly the best way to do that. So, um, you know, you understand. But it is a bummer. Um, and, and currently, man, uh, looking at ECU basketball going forward, um, you know, I think it, it, we, we're going to have to be patient, guys. Um you know, Schwartz coming in, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we talked about him. If you want to hear us really break down on the last episode, we, we talked about him in detail. Don't have to go into it now. But I um, think he's, uh, you know, I think he's a good coaching candidate. I, I, you know, you never know with these things, but I think that he has the uh, potential to really turn things around for ECU. Um, because despite how we may have felt about Dooley and, and some of the players on this um you know, this current team still wasn't, you know, up to the standards that John Gilbert, I think, has for the program, uh, which is good. You don't want to settle. So be patient, though. I, I certainly don't think that next year is going to uh, be our year or anything. We're going to have a lot of young guys probably going to try and get some guys in the portal um, and, you know, just kind of go from there. Yeah. And I will say, um, obviously, I'm I'm definitely bummed to see Newton and Suggs leave, uh, but I'm almost kind of 
um, I kind of feel good about it in a way for uh, for Coach Schwartz um, because now there shouldn't be any expectation for us to be good right away. Um, and if anybody expects us to be good, like you were just saying, um, it's going to take time for the rebuild. Um, and I feel like it alleviates a lot of pressure off Schwartz to come in and win right away. And he can really implement his game, um, you know, and let, and let it work over time. So it, uh, that's kind of the positive of this is that Schwartz really gets to come in, um, implement his system right away with all his guys um, and then let it go from there. Yeah. Um, just going to have to be patient and root for the young guys to develop. I know that's not what ECU fans want, but that is the situation we're in. Um, so uh, that's what we're going to do. But um, moving on, just wanted to touch on that, um, you know, that, that transfer portal news because it was significant. But moving on to the uh, sport that we are currently obsessed with, the sport that we are just getting into conference play in, and that's ECU baseball, the sport that me and Jake are watching right now. So if you, again, if you hear me stumble over my words or, or something, that's probably because, uh, for example, during that last segment, Lane Hoover uh, beat out a little blue grounder, and it was a close call at first. And I kept my eyes kept veering over towards the screen to see what the call was going to be. So uh, please forgive us on that, but maybe I'll get some exciting uh, quips like when, uh, you know, our reaction to Newton getting actually throwing someone out on the base path. Anyways. Let's get into baseball. Um, quickly, I will give a, a recap. Um, since the last time we talked, I believe I was going into the College of Charleston uh, series. Um, we lost that series. Uh, started out good, uh, really dominating the first game. Um, but lost the series one to two. Uh, really just had a, a horrible performance in game three of that one. Then went on. We beat UNCW at UNCW. That was a good bounce back win. Beat Elon. So the two midweek wins are, are actually really big. It, it's hard to win those midweek games, um, especially traveling from College of Charleston. Then, you know, have a one day off going to UNCW. Then the very next day, coming back to Greenville to play Elon. Um, so to win those games was big. Went into the um, home series, the last non conference series. Uh, of the year before conference play started against BCU, won the series, uh, won the first two games, really felt like we, we could have swept them, and then we're just flat in game three and lost that one 5-2, uh, um, and, and then played state uh, uh, at home, uh, number 22-ranked state, and, and lost that game 0-2. to two. Um, Really, that game was upsetting to me because I just feel like if we're able to hold an offense like State to two runs in a midweek bullpen game, we should be able to win that, especially at home. And just that was the worst our bats have looked all year. So, um, not kind of more of the same leading into the Cincinnati series, up and down for ECU. Um, But losing those back-to-back games where the bats were just completely flat against VCU and State didn't really leave me incredibly optimistic to go on the road and then play another really good offense in Cincinnati. Uh, Jake, what do you think about the, what was your kind of thought process on that stretch before the uh, series at Cincinnati there? You know, it's just, you know, kind of like you were saying, it's been once things start looking up, then, you know, we have a game or two where things just go back down and we don't really know uh, what we are. Um, I think part of that is just that this team's young. I think part of it is they've been playing some tough teams. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, definitely not what we expect from from the EC baseball program. We've been really spoiled um, in the past of having, you know, especially the past three years, having one of the best teams in the country. Um, and then this year, it's just been a little bit more up and down. But yeah, um, I definitely am not a fan of just a, like a, a game or two span of our hitting just being non-existent, um, especially in big games against like teams like NC State or, or in home games. Um, when when you're playing at home, you can't you can't. I don't care who you're playing. You can't just have three hits and then and then that's it. I mean, I know NC State's a good team, but I mean that's just that, that's unacceptable. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, I mean, I think and most people would probably agree that the um, biggest issue for ECU this year, if you had to just pick the main the main problem with why. Um, the season's been up and down so far as the hitting. Just I, I know we lost a lot of bats last year, but I think we – and I know me and Jake did and, and most people, uh, probably everyone, expected uh, the, the bats to be better at the start of the year than they have been. Um, you know, we do have uh, – you know, that's not to say nobody on the team is hitting well, but just yeah. as a whole, um, really ha- the, the guys who are hitting well still haven't been really that consistent in big spots haven't been able to string runs together. I, I think now Godwin's finally setting into a, a lineup that is, you know, maximizing, um, you know, our, our guys who are, are playing well right now, but just haven't really been able to find a lineup that is cohesive and, and you know, strings hits and runs together. Um, and so it's just been frustrating. Uh, you know, we've had good offensive performances throughout the year, but we've had much better uh, performances defensively and on the mound, especially from our bullpen. Um, and you would just like to see the bats be able to pick up the pitching a little bit more uh, than it has, um, you know, it, especially in the power department, but not just not just limited to the power department. Um, would you kind of agree with that sentiment, Jake? Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think some guys are definitely coming into their own, um, but it's it's definitely not happening as quickly. Um, I guess as we wanted it to, but um, I get that's, I guess it's just not something we can control. Um, but I honestly, I don't know. It, we can get to this in a little bit. I know we, we'll talk about um, our outlook on the season once we wrap up the preview for this weekend, yeah, but, but um, you know, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit more later, but for, for the fans who are panicking and I've been one of them uh, myself, uh, th- things are not as bad as they seem. I mean, we're still, 16 and 13 got some wins against some really good teams got some losses against some really tough teams everyone who's projecting um you know regionals has us as still as a projected two seed or a three seed i mean we're not we're not a one seed fighting for a super regional host this year um but we can't expect that every year i mean you, that, that's just a unrealistic standard and, and i've said it for the program myself um, so yeah, I'll, I'll get more into that later, but I, I, for the fans who think the sky is falling, um, <laughs> uh, advise you to, no, I guess not think that, I don't know. I can't think of the word, but it, th- things aren't, things aren't that Take bad. A deep breath. We're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're still a good, we're still a good team. We just not, might not be as great as we want to be right now. Right. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I think we were um, at that point going into the Cincinnati series. So we're 16 and 13 now. So I think we're what, 14 and 12. Is that what we were? Yeah. Is my math even making any sense? I work in banking and I can't even. 
Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, heading into that Cincy series, uh, more up and down. Playing Cincy on the road, a team that can really hit, especially in their ballpark. Um, Cincinnati's record not fantastic on the year, but I think that uh, in the in the commentators agreed with this um, that their record isn't fully indicative of the season that they've had. They've been in some really tight ones and lost. Um, their bullpen has kind of been the issue for them this year, but nonetheless, opening the conference playing on the road against Cincinnati, uh, considering, you know, uh, being up and down is not the most favorable matchup to start the year. And in game one, it showed uh, Cooch had a rough outing, which he really hasn't had many of this year. Um, you know, he pay, he started, uh, got through 1.2 innings, gave up four hits, two walks and four earned runs, um, you know, before he was pulled. Um, we'd go on to lose that game seven to three and uh, two of the three runs coming from, Solo shots from Alec Makarevich, who, funny enough, was moved down in the order. I think he was hitting, what, seventh, Jake? Yeah, he was hitting seventh. And so I think he uh, – <laughs> look, sometimes coaches make good decisions, and I think God made a good decision to move him down, knowing his player. I think it immediately lighted, lit a spark uh, under his butt because, my goodness, uh, he swung it all weekend. But those two bombs – I mean, j- j- the fact that in the first game he got moved down, yeah. to uh, seventh in the order, and he hits two home runs in that game on the road when none of the – there's just no momentum whatsoever. I think that um, I'm going to choose to believe that uh, it was the uh, spark that uh, he got when yeah. he didn't move down the order. That's what I'm going to believe. Um, but, yeah, man, more of the same offensively from uh, uh, that you see in our losses. Um, just couldn't string hits together. Uh, couldn't, you know, really – Really, since he was maximizing um, their opportunities on offense, and we were not. Um, I believe we had the same amount. Yeah. Uh, no, we actually had more hits. We had yeah. hits and since he had six, but we also had two errors. Um, and I believe they had two unearned runs to add to that seven-run total that they had um, or to equal that. Um, but, yeah, we out-hit them, and we just uh, – they were able to produce seven runs off of uh, six hits. And we were only able to produce three off of eight hits, and again, two of those runs off solo shots. So, just not winning, not winning baseball with that with that offense playing against a really good offense on the road. Um, and Jake, I, I know me and you were texting, um, and and kind of felt the same that uh, you know that series looked like it was going to get away from us fast. Yeah, um, that was definitely you know obviously going on the road to Cincinnati um, where it's cold. Um, is is not ideal for your first um, conference game, but you know, even even though we we're going on the road, we we're kind of like, okay, this is where we got to figure it out right here. We got to figure it out. We got to this, you know, this is ECU baseball. Um, and then we come up and we and we give up four runs in the first inning, and, and can't really. I mean, like you said, we did have eight hits, but we weren't really stringing um, hits together. We weren't really other than AMAC, uh didn't have any extra base hits, so it was just kind of. Um, definitely kind of a bummer, kind of, yeah, like you said, definitely felt like that series might get away from us real fast. Yeah, and then we uh, we went on to game two, um, and it was completely different, man. Ryder on the mound. Uh, we've seen Ryder um, pretty much get removed altogether from the lineup um, and defensive alignments for, for the Pirates and get moved into uh, the bullpen and then now the starting role. Um and he hasn't given up an earned run all year. Yeah. And, it, and it's continued in his start against Cincinnati. I mean, he pitched another absolute gem. 
let me. I think he pitched over four. I think he pitched yeah. like what four, four, four and a third, and a third. Yeah, four and a third. I got it here. There we go. Uh, four and a third for Ryder. No earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. I mean, he's just he's just really pitching well. He's not getting phased by base runners, and he's he's not walking a lot of guys, and he's he's able to just with that. Uh, you know, sidearm off-speed stuff that he has. He's hitting his spots, and it's just really hard for hitters to make hard contact against his stuff. I mean, I think he's – the fact that Ryder has moved completely out of the infield um, and the lineup and into that starting role, I think that's got to be the surprise of the season for the Pirates. Um, that game, AMAC hit two doubles in, content, stayed hot. Uh, Starling and Jacob Jenkins Cowart both hit home runs. Starling, another development in the offense, um, who has really come along and cemented himself in the lineup at that second base spot. Um, credit to Jake for, uh, at the beginning of the year, picking him as someone he would like to see play second. And, um, yeah, I, I gave you credit on Twitter, Jason. <laughs> I feel like that was, just, that was just a good call. It's working out yeah. really well. Um, and we were able to strain a lot of Cincinnati base runners. That was another point I wanted to make in that game, in that game too. Uh, we each, each team had 12 hits. And so you win a game, and we even had an error, and they didn't. So you, you win a game 8-4, you each have 12 hits. Um, that's just making the most of your guys when they get on base. It was really the polar opposite of, the, of game one. Yeah. No, yeah. And what I really liked about that game um, was us coming up in the ninth. Um, you know, we'll – once the ninth inning started, we were up 5-4, and then we put up three more runs in the top of the ninth, really put the pressure on Cincinnati. Um, you know, our pitching's been solid all year. I mean, we've had some outings where it hasn't been the best, but all in all, we've had probably the best pitching in the conference uh, so far. So uh, to come out in the ninth inning in that game, put three insurance runs up there, um, you know, that, that was really awesome to see. Yeah, it was big, and it was just nice to see the guys playing complimentary baseball. The offense um... – you know, getting it done for the uh, for the bullpen there in that one you know, against a really good hitting team. So that took us to uh, the um, game three series tied one one uh, again at Cincy and um, EC in a crazy, ugly, extremely exciting game. <laughs> ECU won twelve to ten against the Cincinnati Bearcats and. Um, my goodness, Jake, that game took years off my life. I think it was like five hours, or roughly a five-hour game that I sat nice. aside and watched and just stressed over. Um, yeah. It was a fun one, man. It was a fun game to watch. That's one of those games that's miserable if you don't end up on the winning side. And uh, a lot of fun if you do. We had 18 hits in that game. Um, and since he had 13, um, this, this was a game that I really – even though I, I hated it, I also really loved it because this was one of the few times you've seen this season um, ECU's offense completely pick up um, their pitching staff in a game where they just could not get it going regardless of who they put on the mound. Um, how many guys ended up pitching for us, Jake, in that game? It, it was a, a, an absurd amount. Let's see. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven. eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven guys pitched. <laughs> in that game against Cincy in game three. Um, and, you know, a, a few guys uh, look good, notably really just Terwilliger and um, Terwilliger and you Savage, uh, though you Savage pitched, you know, only two thirds of an inning. Um, 
He's... But outside of that, it was really just a, it was a hit fest. And um, yeah, Ben Terwilliger smashed a double off the right field wall um, because we couldn't we we didn't have a DH because we had so many pitchers um, subbing in. And uh, Hoover Lane Hoover had five hits. Um, it was just that, but that that's the real big note that I have in this game that I just loved it so much that the offense finally picked up the pitching staff, whereas throughout the year it's really been the other way around. Yeah, no, this this was definitely definitely a. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess fun is the word. It was a fun game because we won. Um, <laughs> that would have been a tough one to lose, uh, but yeah, that was definitely fun. Eighteen hits, um, like you said, our offense really picked up our pitching. One more pitcher I want to shout out. Um, you know, I've Trey and Terwilliger. Um, I think Josh Gross was pitching really well. Obviously, it was only two, You're right. two innings. That's right. And then, and then we had that super long top half of the third inning. I just think he sat too long, and then his pitch count got too high. That's um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you just look at the, you know, the box score and you see that he gave up three runs in two point one innings, uh, you're like, oh, he didn't pitch that well. But he he was really dealing, and then and then he kind of sat for a while while we were putting all the runs on him, and then his pitch count got up there a little bit. But yeah, I mean, shoot. This is the true definition, especially on the mound of next man up. I mean, Godwin was not scared to go to anybody. Pretty sure he used everyone who was available to pitch. It was unbelievable, man. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 was just, it was crazy. It was a crazy game. Um, I will say um, I am not a huge fan of – and, you know, it's just what he does. So you, you take it um, and you live with it. I'm not a huge fan of – um, Godwin's quick trigger with the guys on the mound. Um, for example, like we said, your Savage looked really good. Um, I know he hasn't pitched a ton this year, and it was a high uh, leverage game that he was pitching in. So I understand not trying to put too much on him, but he did really look good. I mean, he, he pitched two thirds of an inning, got two Ks. And he's he's um, been looking good too. Yeah, he's got good stuff. I mean, his his first his first outing was the first game of the year, and he he. Couldn't really find the zone, but yeah, I mean, since then he's he's looked phenomenal. Honestly, he's given up one. He's given up one home run since then. Um, Other than that, I can't really remember. I mean, I'm sure he's given up more runs than that, but other than that, I mean, he's pitched really well this year. Yeah, he has. Um, And and to touch on, like you said and pointed out, um, and I'm glad you did. Josh Gross actually didn't look bad. Um, Just kind of a victim to circumstance in that one. Uh, as far as numbers go, but he, he's actually looked really good. Um, and that's been a big development for uh, ECU who's needed a guy to step up in that starter role. And I think all ECU fans, if you don't know, um, you should be really happy with that because he's one of the bigger prospects on our team. Uh, so, you know, he kind of got thrust into a role that he probably wouldn't have had. He probably would be, um, you know, if the Wizen Hunt situation didn't happen, he'd probably be, a you know, splitting time. Uh, three ways between Sunday starting from time to time, weekday starting, and a bullpen role this year. Um, you know, it was forced into a starting role, and, um, you know, sometimes that's a good thing, and he got his opportunities really showing a lot of potential. So I'm actually really, really happy um, that Gross is getting the chance that he has. I think he's going to cement himself as a, a, a really good, um, you know, pitcher for the next couple of years for the Pirates. Um but, yeah, man, won the series. Won the series on the road against the dangerous Cincinnati team um, to open the conference play. And that's all you can ask for, man, especially after a, a really poor game one to battle back and do that. It, it was big. And I just don't like Cincinnati. So, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I was I was really thrilled with that one. Um, but anyways, uh, moving on. Right now, like we said, we're currently in the bottom of the second inning against Old Dominion. Uh, Mayhew actually had bases loaded in the uh, top of the second with one out. Um, Old Dominion, we know this, uh, you know, firsthand is an elite baseball team. They're 20 and six on the year. Really, really good. And uh, can just hit the crap out of the ball pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're going to need that more of that. We're going to need the bats to come alive here. And Mac led off the bottom of the second with a single and Starlings up. So, um, you know, in good shape to start this, um, start this inning. But um, we're playing Old Dominion now uh, on Wednesday the 6th as we record. Um, and we are going into a, the second conference series of the year against Wichita State. Um, Jake, what do you got? What do you got for me on this Wichita State matchup? Opening uh, conference home opener uh, for ECU. Um, what should we be uh, expecting? I think we should be expecting a good team. Um, you know, Wichita State, they struggled to start the season. They started the season 0-6. Uh, currently, they're 12 and 16, um, which obviously isn't a good record. But when you consider that they started 0 and 6, um, you know, it, it's, it's not too bad. They played a lot of away games and neutral site games. Uh, they're only 1 and 10 on the road, um, but it's it's still early in the season. I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is a pretty solid Wichita State, Wichita State team. I think we're better, um, but I, I don't think there's someone to be taken lightly. And they got a couple couple of big difference makers on both uh, both sides of the ball. Starting with offense, um, center fielder Chuck Ingram. He's been that leads the team. He's got seven home runs, which also leads the team. Um, you know, and he adds that with the 356 on base percentage. So he doesn't, he doesn't get walked too much. Uh, but, um, but, I mean, when you have a 315 average and you're hitting seven home runs already, um, you know, he, he's definitely dangerous at the plate. And then Brock Rodden, he's their second baseman. Uh, he's batting 275 on the year. Uh, he's second on their team with six home runs. Um, and then he has a 390 on-base percentage, which is highest on their team. Uh, so those are the two guys I think we got to watch out for most. Um, they, you know, they're not the best hitting team. they got a couple of guys other than them, too. Uh, but those are the two main guys to watch out for. But when I, you know, when I was looking at them, uh, they got some really good pitchers. <laughs> I was telling you this earlier. Uh, they got a guy named Cameron Bai who's pitched 29 innings on the year and has a 031 ERA. It's absolutely um, ridiculous. Yeah, that's that, and the, that's through nine appearances and four starts. So I think he can kind of, you know, I think he he pitches – I think they just pitch him whenever they need him because they know, they know that people struggle hitting him. Um, but other than that, there, there's two guys who um, seem to be their main starters, are Peyton Toll and uh, Jace Kaminska. They're both pretty solid. Um, Peyton has a – 2.9 ERA and Jace has a 3.38 um, on the year. They both started uh, seven games so far, and then they, they don't really have a set um, third starter at the moment. But um, you know they, they've got some solid relievers. Other than that, they've had a lot of guys struggle in the pen. But I think uh, if we can get past their starting pitching, um, you know, I, I think this can be a really big series for us. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, like you said. Um... You know, they've, they've really struggled on the road, which benefits ECU. Uh, opened up the conference last weekend against Houston. Lost that series. Uh, it was on the road. They lost that series 2-1 after winning the first game. Um, and then just lost to an incredible Oklahoma State team. 3-5, um, too. 
uh, yeah. yesterday. That was Tuesday the 5th. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've been in a lot of games that they've lost tight ones this year. Um, I still will say, um, and I, and you kind of alluded to this, that this is a really big opportunity for ECU. Like I said, we are at home, conference opener. Weather's, uh, you know, really starting to turn around. So I think that the crowd is going to be a huge factor and, and going to be loud and full for all three games. Um, we'll see how the game goes today, tonight against Old Dominion. But um, I think it's an opportunity for ECU to finally come in and get that sweep yeah. at home. Um, I know we swept the LeClaire Classic, but it would be nice to just completely, you know, dominate a, a single opponent and get that three-game sweep at home, especially in conference play. Look, man, uh, non-conference is non-conference. Uh, we're, you know, 16 and 13 coming into this old Dominion game, uh, you know. But if you can – look, conference play is what matters, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's what's in front of us. So we just got to look to, you know, dominate this league. And um, I think we got an opportunity, man. I mean, Wichita State, like you said, is good. And ECU has been inconsistent, especially offensively. Uh, to this point on the year, um, you know, we are going to have to put up runs consistently to win that game uh, or to win that series. Uh, you can't sweep unless you do that. Um, but I think that we really do have uh, a big opportunity going into that game. Uh, just a couple of numbers on some of the guys before we kind of give our outlook on the rest of the year here um, and wrap up. Um well, first off, like you said, you, you pointed to the ridiculous numbers of what was the Wichita State pitcher's name again uh, with the ridiculous Cameron, ERA? Cameron Bott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> somewhere out there, there may be a Wichita State podcast that's looking at our at our numbers and saying, this Ryder Giles guy, <laughs> yeah. 18 and a third innings and has a zero ERA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So crazy to me, man. But, um, yeah, man, they're, they're – uh, on the, on the year, like we said, um, our bullpen's really been good, and, and so have uh, the, our starters in Cooch Maynard and, and Grosh. Um, Lane Hoover's hitting a ridiculous 383 to this point. Um, you know, obviously there's not a lot of power in Lane's bat, but he's not in the lineup for that. Uh, he's in the lineup to be the guy that makes things happen, move guys over. Um, just that pain in that thorn in the side of opposing pitchers and defenses. Uh, he's done a great job doing that. Jacob Jenkins Coward's numbers have come down a bit. Obviously they were going to, he was just, it was ridiculous what he yeah. was doing, but he's still playing really well. Um, hitting 322. Um, and his power since the last time we talked about, uh, <laughs> we talked about Jacob Jenkins Coward. We talked about his, that he does have power, raw power, and that, you know, we expect him to put on, a lot of muscle and really grown to his frame uh, during his time at ECU. And that power is going to be ridiculous when he does, but shoot, man, since our last episode, I've kind of um, at least a little bit had to put the words back into my mouth because uh, his power has come on. He's, yeah. hit four, he's hit four home runs or maybe three home runs since then. I can't remember. I think he might've had one. Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think he had any. He might Yeah. He might not have, but he, he's, he's, he's just been, he's been raking slugging 489. Uh, doesn't walk a ton, but uh, you know he doesn't. Uh, you don't need to if you're if you're hitting, yeah. if you're hitting the way he did, he has been. Alec Makarovich, like we said, uh, he he had struggled a bit more than we might like to see. Um, been a little bit inconsistent for his you know the the caliber of player he is, but he really came on in the Cincinnati series, and you look for him to continue that. Like we mentioned, he's already got a hit today uh, in the old Dominion game. Um, Agnos 
I talked about Agnos. I'm going to keep patting myself on the back uh, when he was at the bottom of the order and struggling that he needed to be at the top of the order because he was just too talented. I, I do fully believe that he's our best all-around player, um, and he's been playing. like He's just been fantastic. He's at back at the top of the – um, top half of the order consistently. Um, and, uh, yeah, Moylan also has started to really, like we knew he would turn the bat around, um, and start to hit the ball with power as well. Uh, one guy though, Jake, that I wanted to bring up to you, uh, we've already talked about Starling, um, you know, really coming on and that's been big for the pirates. One guy that I want to talk about to you and he's actually batting right now that has, you know, been frustrating to watch. Uh, has been Bryson Worrell. What do you kind of what do you kind of make of the the season he's had? He, he's batting down at the bottom of the order now. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I'm honestly kind of shocked uh, that he's been struggling so much this year. I really thought this was gonna be an opportunity for Worrell uh, to break out, and uh, I I really liked his approach in the beginning of the season. I think he was seeing the ball a lot better. Um, he's he's struggled with striking out um, a ton in the past, and he really hasn't done that this year. But um, I don't, I don't know if he's being almost too um, – he's not really striking out that often, but he's he's not hitting the ball that – I mean, he's, he's really not hitting the ball very well right now. He's got a 248 average, which, you know, isn't all that bad. But when you look at his 303 on base percentage and only a 388 slugging percentage for someone who you expected uh, to lead your team in home runs before the season started, um, it's definitely been a little uh, disappointing to see because, um, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, and as we say that, he does get a sack fly to get yeah. on the board <laughs> yeah. on one nothing. So we will take that two strike yeah. count too. But um, yeah, he's just uh, like you said, we liked his approach early on. And he had some unfortunate luck. He was really hitting the ball hard. Yeah, he was. It was he was playing well, and he was just having you know some unlucky breaks, a lot of warning track balls, a lot of lineouts directly to outfielders. But uh, it, that has not been the case the past couple of weeks. He's just really struggled. The power hasn't looked great, um, and. You know, he's looked uncomfortable at the plate and, and has been striking out more. So, uh, you know, an interesting development. Obviously, he's a fantastic center fielder. He's, you know, he's – Yeah. And we know that he does have talent offensively, so he's not in any danger of not being in the lineup like Ryder. Um, but, yeah, he's somebody that you would really like to see turn it around because, um, you know, we've had some guys step up and the lineup is starting to look a little bit more consistent and, and starting to shape out, but you would really, that'd be huge to get him uh, as a consistent uh, threat on offense um, in the lineup. But that being said with those guys, um, you know, and some of the numbers on those guys, what are your kind of, what, what's your outlook on the season going forward here, Jake? I still have a, you know, I still think we have a really good chance to make some noise. I, I think we're finally starting to figure things out. I don't think we were ever as bad as people thought we were. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're one seed. I mean, we, we'll have to pretty much go undefeated uh, from here on out to get a one seed. But at the end of the day, I mean, hosting is super nice. But, um, you know, as, as long as you're playing in a regional, you got a chance. And I, I think we can beat any team in the country. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and tell you if we're on the road playing against Tennessee. I think we're – for sure going to beat them because that's tough. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think there's still a lot of – we're starting to figure things out and we're only going to get better from here. Um, our pitching starting to get better. Guys are starting to step into bigger roles there. We're starting to hit for more power. We're starting to see some guys like Starling and Clanch step up. I think they're going to be huge for us uh, come the end of the season. I'd be shocked 
um, if both of those guys weren't consistently in the lineup um, by the time regionals come around. But I mean, I, I still think, you know, we'll be a two or three seed. Um, you know, I'll say we're probably a two seed. I think, I think we figure things out and we're a two seed somewhere. And I mean, shoot, the, la- the last time, the, the closest we've been recently um, to making it to Omaha was when we were a three seed a few years ago. Uh, we went to the third game, the Super Regional there. So, I mean, you know, like, like I said, as, as long as we make it to a regional, I think we got a good chance of beating anybody. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think probably two seed is fair. Um, and, and I do think that we're going to look, you know, that we're going to play well in the conference and as the lineup starts to sort itself out. Um, you know, a lot of young guys going to have to step up. But we've been starting to see those guys step up and the veteran guys and AMAC and Agnos, uh, you know, start to take over. So um, a lot of opportunity. I would love to see us uh, – you know, make a run and, and still even in what many consider a down year for us, which is, you know, rightfully so been a down year for us so far, um, despite us being 16 and 13 um, and opening up the conference with a, a series win on the road. Um, I still think it would be huge if we could, uh, you know, compete for that conference regular season title and then, you know, go into the conference tournament in one seat. I just uh, I think there's a, a lot of opportunity here. Um, but yeah, man, that'll do it. As we stand right now, we're going into the top of the third against Old Dominion. Trey Savage is in for Mayhew, so we'll get to see him continue. Excited for that, actually. Um, we did score a run there in the bottom of the second. Um, you know, so we're up one one zero right now at home against a really dangerous Old Dominion team. Um, we will keep you posted online, and uh, you know, expect this episode to drop Thursday, so you'll have plenty of time um, to get the wichita state series preview in before the series starts Uh, thank you guys uh for listening um and as always go pirates